Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's an ashtray I stole from the Hotel du Cap in the south of France on the night that I hosted the Cinema Against AIDS Gala at the Cannes Film Festival. And I was absolutely horrified when the auctioneer came on stage and told Jennifer Lopez she looked like an ostrich. Here's some skin products that remind me of my dermatologist who just a couple of years ago told me when I showed him a little red dot on one of my testicles that that was nothing more serious than a normal part of scrotal ageing. Yes. Here's my Sid Vicious action figure who, of course, appropriately is in a yellow coffin-shaped box. Here's my actual Etch-A-Sketch, my magic Etch-A-Sketch from my childhood. Still works. And today, be prepared to have your life spiced up because I'm talking to Jerry Halliwell. Do you know what's coming to my mind what? when you say that? I'm, th- I'm thinking, Alan, you've got very good cheekbones. Welcome, bienvenue, welcome. The only people who will need to hear this introduction are those who've been living in a cave for the last 30 years. But Jerry Halliwell is best known as Ginger Spice, one of the Spice Girls, a band that sold over 85 million records and are the best-selling female group of all time. They also made the phrase girl power famous and basically Jerry is the bastion of girl power. She left the band in 1998 and went on to have a very successful solo career as well as becoming a writer, an actor and a mum. I met Jerry because I am in Spice World, the movie. I play a character called Piers Cuthbertson Smythe, who had, fun fact, a chest wig. And um, it was such a great experience. I loved being in that film. It was at the height of the Spices fame and success and there were still these young girls who couldn't believe it had happened to them and the most exciting thing for me it was a lovely summer I spent in London making that film and I was taught the moves to the Spice Girls dances by the Spice Girls themselves oh yes the next time you see me on the street ask me to slam it to the left Today, I am looking at a range of things from my shelves. Honestly, I did not realise how much Spice Girls memorabilia I had on Alan Cummings shelves. (laughs) It's daunting. First of all, I have a Spice Girls Polaroid camera. Who knew? It's called a Spice Cam. And I must have got that when I made the film, I think. It's got little stickers of the girls on it. Um, And then I've also got a Spice Girls piggy bank that says girl power in it. Nothing in it. It's going to shake it, but there's no money. I then found this 
tin that is a limited edition uh, individual space tin of Spice Girls the movie. And guess who I've got? Who my tin is of? Yes, it's Jerry in a very provocative pose. And I've also got a cassette copy. Imagine. I didn't realise the Spice Girls even were on cassette of uh, their first album, Spice. And then I've got, and this goes on, I've got a lunchbox, a lunchbox, a tiny lunchbox for like an infant. You probably just get a sandwich and a banana in there. Look at this. Inside here is a another tin. There's a lot of Spice Girls tin. There must be sort of mines in little countries that are absolutely empty now due to the Spice Girls. This was a Spice Girls watch. The watch is not here. I must have worn it out, but I've kept the tin. Flashlight. Oh, I think I got that one on the film. Oh, it's a Polaroid flashlight. Maybe I got it with the camera. And then I've also got a Spice Girls dolly. I've got a dolly of um, Jerry um, holding a camera. That's in in my other house in the city. But this is in my little lunchbox. There's a sort of a little uh, doll of Jerry, a kind of little caricature one in her Union Jack, her iconic Union Jack dress and uh, her little uh, red boots. She's looking pretty good. I've still got dollies. Yeah, that must be exciting. It's funny. I, I don't know how much I can... Do you know what I mean? It's cute. Yes, but it's sort of... Like, I've got... I can see right now on my... Well, I can see my action figure from X-Men. No, do you know what? I have to say, as soon as you were saying that, I was thinking about X-Men. I was like, you know how you played that thing that was like... That sprung up on the ceiling? <laughs> yes. What, what was it called? A Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. That's all I remember you being in like the frog position and you know hopping about. It's a lot of yeah, a lot of leaping around. Very, and yeah, you had to be very agile. Um, I don't know. What do you think about when you see yourself in the, as a toy? I I sort of I, it's one of these things. I like it when it first happens. I just think, oh my god, how exciting! Just the most exciting thing ever. I'm a toy. I'm a doll. And then you sort of forget. Then you get used to it and you forget about it. And then, you know, then other people freak, years, years go by and other people freak out about it more than you. And then you kind of think, then you think, oh, for God's sakes, it's fine. It's just a doll. But then you think, no, but they don't have their own doll. So they're not. They're, yeah, they're, I know. suppose everyone gets more charmed by something yes. that they don't, do you know what I mean, intrigue. And then it becomes and, like anything. Yeah, like seeing yourself on a bus stop and all that stuff. Yeah. And then the next time you're sort of embarrassed because people are looking at you, looking at yourself. Have you ever been caught like taking a selfie of yourself on a bus stop? I have. Have you? <laughs> yes. How, what, what, hang on, the bus stop. So there was a big So there's, post a, story. there's a picture of me on a bus stop, right? Of what? And I go, oh, of me in some film or something. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was, but it was just my face on a bus stop. Yeah. And saying, blah, blah, you know, the film, whatever, or the TV show. And I thought, oh my God, look, I'll, I'll just take a quick selfie. Nobody will see me. And I took a selfie with my big head in the background. And somebody said, oh, taking a picture of yourself on the bus stop. <laughs> But actually, I think that's charming enthusiasm for, you know, you're allowed to feel proud. Yes. And it's also hilarious. I mean, it's just, yes. it's just like, you know, that you, you must have had loads of these things. But like, you know, I've, I remember once being on the side of a bus and like being, being in a taxi and been chatting to someone and we stop in, in traffic and they say, look round. And I turned to look out the window of the taxi and there's my uh, face on a bus. It was drawn up right next to us in the traffic. I mean, stuff like that's hilarious. And Do you know what's coming think... to my mind what? when you say that? I'm th- I'm thinking, Alan, you've got very good cheekbones. <laughs> Do you know Thanks, what I mean? That, ser- that has served you well. <laughs> that makes you tiny. I think you've got a, a face that's quite um, ageless. Does that make oh, sense? Bless you. Well, yeah, you yeah sort of. I mean, I get the kind of, I still get the sort of, 
boyish, puckish sort of vibe. Yeah, you've got you've got that sort of energy that is ageless, which is really nice. Bless you, but so do you. That's like, I think that's the curiosity thing. That you, perhaps you're right, or, yeah. but maybe we both got paintings in our attic, like Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's our dolls. Maybe that's what our dolls are. <laughs> yeah, there are. you go. They, there we go. And they're up in the a... attic, twisted and not, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you're in my lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, you're doing all right go. though in my lunchbox. You look quite fine. Oh, thank you. Do you remember when I came to see you in New York? Yes, of course. I saw you in a cabaret and I was probably about so that was probably about over 20 years ago right and I think I just left the Spice Girls you just left the Spices and you kind of like you sort of were smuggled into the country sort of thing yeah I was kind of on the run and hiding trying to keep a low profile and I came to see you and you were amazing and then afterwards you took me to a gay bar where everybody was singing around a piano so it was very yes (laughs) yeah it's brilliant in, in the village in the west village yeah. You had a go, didn't you? What did you sing? Do you remember? I can't remember. I remember you said to the man, do you know any Spice Girls songs? I remember you <laughs> asked the guy that. <laughs> I can't remember what he replied. He didn't. He didn't know. It might be interesting if we shared how we really got together. Well, you should say because I, yeah, you tell them because it's, I didn't know you in that point. I was studying Stanislavski at drama school. This was yeah. way 1993. back 1993. Yeah, okay, yeah. there it was. And <laughs> um, my father had died. My uh, course in drama said that you have to go and see some, some different uh, plays. And the one that I chose, because we were studying, it was Hamlet at the Dom... Dom Warehouse, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And in Covent Garden. And then I saw this play and it was amazing. And what struck me the most was this actor, the lead actor, who, who was playing, her, and that was you, Alan. <laughs> and, but what was really striking about your performance was the how much emotion that, that you evoked, and mm. that you were spitting and crying and just carrying this at- intensity through the whole few hours that, that it was. And it just left this lasting impression on me. I was like, wow, this guy is incredible because we can read Shakespeare and sometimes we don't understand the words, but we can understand the feeling if the actor is good. And I felt that that about Alan. And I was uh, like, wow, this this guy is amazing. Then cut to how many years, I don't know, four or five years later, um, I was working on the production of Spice World and the casting which is such an amazing thing to do. It's like colouring in because you think, oh, who could play this? Who could play this? <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. And there's a lineup of different actors they were saying who could play. And I went, oh my God, that guy, Alan. Oh my God, <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him. Let's get, a, you know, a really Shakespearean actor to be in Spice World. That's how it happened. I got the call from my agent saying, um, I remember he, he said, uh, do, do you know the Spice Girls? I remember saying, I am alive in the world. So of course I know the Spice Girls. And he said, they want you to be in their film. And I was like, what? And they said, yes, apparently Jerry saw your Hamlet. And for years I wanted to have, I wanted to have a t-shirt made which said, Ginger Spice saw my Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very funny. But what I thought was so touching about that, Jerry, was that, you know, what I tried to do playing Hamlet was make him, and what I do in every role is trying to think, who is this person? What is, like, forget all the other stuff that you're kind of the outside pressures or the ways you think you should perform something. Let's just go, even the language of it, let's go back to the very basics. He's this boy who's at college 
and has to come back from college because his father has died. And then all this other stuff happens to him. Like, you know, his father's ghost comes back, his girlfriend dumps him, his, you know, all the stuff. And has a bit of a nervous breakdown. That's my sort of potted thing of Hamlet. But what I thought was so touching was that, you know, they kept calling me a very lachrymose Hamlet, which is a word I don't mean? know. It means that you cry a lot. Because I did, I cried all the fucking time. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh, I was just, I think that's partly the way I was in my life at the time. But I, I really rooted playing him in absolute grief. And I think that's what, so that it was, because I think it was only a few days, a few a relatively short time after your father had died that you, that you came to the show with your college people so it's such a funny connection yeah. yeah and such a connection to you and the grief that you're feeling also about a father and the kind of complicated grief that there is when yeah when someone dies you know it's it, I thought that was so touching when I saw you doing Hamnet and expressing utter grief so you were doing Hamnet as a human being yeah. um it was kind of grieving the words the the feelings that I couldn't find myself and right. I connected with Hamnet because, do you remember he sort of gets paralysis of analysis? Do you remember he gets stuck? Yeah, right? yeah, he just can't and move forward. I remember feeling I didn't know how to process it. So I became stuck in that respect. Yeah. So when I saw you sort of really express your grief, I was like, oh, okay, it was almost doing it for me, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. I feel honoured to have been able to help you in that way, even though I didn't know it, but you know, my favorite thing about being a, a performer or an artist, or whatever, is that when you hear things like that, like I, a book that I wrote about my dad, people every day still on Twitter or something talk to me about it and say it's helped them. Yeah. Because I was honest about my experience and open about my experience that then transfer. And that's actually you don't even realize it at the time. Like I didn't realize when I was in Hamlet that that was going to have you would have that experience or I didn't write the book yeah. for this to happen. But actually in doing and I guess living your authentic life and sort of sharing your experience and sharing yeah. and trying to be honest when you perform people or, or sing a song it has it reverberates that's very powerful yeah it really is they say if you stand in truth your words have power love that yes hello there this is my friend joe hi now joe plays rugby for England. Yeah, what's your point? Come on. Well, Joe presents a podcast and it's my firm belief that you should listen to it. Very interesting. And here's why. Because it's not actually a rugby podcast because, well, let's face it, there's billions of them already. No, 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 no. It's about you, the listener, and the jobs you do. If you're a teacher, an astronaut, a tree surgeon or a chef, then we've got loads of questions for you. The Joe Marler Show. Because... Everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. That's a great line. That's a that is a very good line from you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. You want to find it? Search for the Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. Because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, obviously you've done the spices again, you've, but from that initial time when you were, every, you were packets of crisps, you were, ev- you were just everywhere. What is it like when you see those things? I don't think about myself like that, I suppose. Oh, I you just don't? Think, no. I suppose, you know, there's just other things in your life on a day-to-day, like obviously my family and children. You don't think about things like that. I you don't just know. think, oh, there's the Spice Girls. Something I don't Spice think Girls. about myself as that. Do you know what I mean? That's not... Do you know what it is? It's like what? a Batman suit. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's not fake, but it's just like a Batman suit. It's like going from Bruce Wayne to Batman. Right. It's exactly like drag. This, like you, it's you used to say that. You used to say that Ginger was like going and doing yeah, drag. Yes, exactly. It's just like putting your, there you go and off you go. And it's kind of like a, it's a layer. It's a layer. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. I used to think when I was in The Good Wife and I played like a man in a suit, and I remember thinking, why have they asked me to do this? Like, I, I'm, it's like a middle-aged man in a suit. I, I, I can't do this. I normally, I mean, I realized I, up until that point, I never really played real people. I played a lot of, you know, I played always quite, quite crazy people or even not humans. And then I suddenly had this realization. I thought, oh, I am a middle-aged man. <laughs> and if I wear a suit, I'll be a middle-aged man in a suit. The makeup ladies would be so frustrated with me, but also find it hilarious. Like I would come in after a weekend and I'd have sort of glitter in my hair or something. So I was, oh yeah, at the club, someone threw glitter or they'd be sort of peeling nail varnish off me to get me into this middle-aged <laughs> political man in a suit. And I said, it was that it's like drag. And I, and I think it's a really good way to look at things actually, to sort of make it completely different to you and a heightened version of something. Yeah. And I think that's what all the characters, all the, the spices were, but I guess you especially, Ginger was much, she was the sort of the biggest epitome of that, I think. I think it's like, um, do you know how Elton John, did you notice mm. his sort of evolution? The mm. the costumes got bigger and bigger. And then they kind of came down again. Yeah, they came down again. So you, at the beginning, yeah, you try and outdo yourself, go, what can I do next? What can I do next? Yeah. And then you go, okay, maybe it's time to take it off. You know, I just was thinking when you talked about Nightcrawler, remember you came to the X2 premiere in L.A.? God, see, I'm always supporting you. You <laughs> are. I, I'd like to think, like, I'm one of these people that always sticks with a relationship. If you become totally. my friend, I'm your friend forever. I, I always think that about us. Like, we, we don't see each other for a few years, and then here we are just chatting, chatting like old times. Yeah. I remember early in the 90s, kind of the year before... I came back to London and I did the film with you, the spicy film. I was in LA and it was sort of, people didn't really have emails and stuff yet. So like being away for a long period of time working on a film in a, and especially with the time difference and everything, you really kind of lost touch with your friends. And at the time in London, I had a very close knit group of friends. I was very sort of needy of them. I remember so worrying about that I would have lost my friends. I'd sort of lost contact. I'd lost, you know. And then I went home. And of course, it was like I'd never been away. Like we'd seen each other a few days before. And I re- it was a great lesson to learn that, you know, friendship, it's not about necessarily, it's not about the number of hours you put into it. It's about a connection you have. And if you've made that yeah. connection, it can stand the test of time and it can stand absence and it can stand a lot of things. And it really was a heartening thing for me to sort of move forward in my life thinking like oh yeah I'm going to have this life I'm going to be away I'm going to be traveling over the world I'm not going to see people but when you come back they'll still be there and and you'll still have that connection 
Yeah, really nice. That is a real testimony, isn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. I've always thought of you like that, Jenny, I have to say. I've always thought you're very honest, wear your heart on your sleeve. And I just love that about you. I love that you've, even in the spicy days and under your decision to leave and everything, you're, and also your curiosity, I think, is really endearing, that you're always wanting to know. That. I just think that's a really fantastic thing. And I imagine that must have been quite difficult early on because, I mean, people don't, in a way, when you're a young woman in the pop world people don't want you to sort of be like that they want you to kind of like shut up and sing people don't like change right we all feel comfortable Mm -hmm. when people are one thing you know it just makes us feel secure but actually change is inevitable you know we look like the seasons we're all going to change we're all going to evolve actually i was speaking to um a lady the other day, she's a journalist and a writer and she's just approaching 70. I always look to older people and say, you know, what do you think is a one point in thing that really helps you grow in your life? And she said, curiosity. Mm. I've always loved le- yeah, learning from other people. Everybody has a story. And I think it keeps life interesting. If you ask most artists, they like more than just one thing. I was just talking to someone about this, the older I've got... And I've been eclectic in my in the different things I yeah, do for a long are. time. I think you are. Yeah, I think I've always been like that. But I've, I've actually got more comfortable with that. Like the thing of you sometimes feel, oh, I've got to stay in this lane. I've got to do this yeah. kind of work. I've got to. And then actually, you do. You think, why should I? Yeah, I'm going to go and open a bar now. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to design why some not? wallpaper. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I love that encouragement. Why not? I'm going to have a, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to uh, talk about things on my shelves. Actually, by talking to you, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not the only one that likes different things. You know, polymath. Mm. Someone has described and said, oh, you like a kooky polymath. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> okay, so I like lots of different things. Yeah. I love writing like you. I think we all borrow each other's confidence um, and experience to pull each other over the wall. It yeah. helps giving yourself permission when you see other totally. people inspiring you. I remember that time you came over to my flat in London. You were talking about starting to do your, your children's books. And yeah, look at that. We got a grant to help you with the first drawing. And then it became a series. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Absolutely, why not? I mean, I guess especially in Britain, there's a little can people be, can be a little sniffy about you stepping outside of your box. But after a while, you think I don't care. I don't. I actually don't care. I, if you I've don't got like the it. gift of age, and also I think that's probably is my box now. My box yeah. is a colourful rainbow one. Do you know what I mean? There's lots of different love that. things in my treasure chest. It's like you know, there's all sorts. It was interesting during this talk with Jerry. We both uh, realised that we're writing books at the moment. She's writing her first novel, and uh, I'm writing another memoir. We were talking about how fascinating it is doing research and how enjoyable that is. And I said it was actually really interesting researching yourself. And then I talked about being married a couple of times, and that led Jerry to tell a story about someone who was married many times. Elizabeth Taylor, right? Yes, yes. If you're talking about remarriage, right? Is, yes, is yes. it a trait of optimism? She was an optimist, wasn't she? Totally. Totally. I met her, you know. Uh, so did I. Oh, when did you meet her? This is a sad story. Well, annoying, oh. right? I met her at a charity auction, okay? Right. And I was with George. This is name droppy, okay? So I was George with George Michael, Michael yes. right? I used to hang out with you and George a lot. I, he was such yeah. a darling. And we had such fun nights together. I so know. nice. I know. And he was such a good friend to you. He was amazing. Yeah, he was just like, ah. Uh. You know when some people come into your life, like 
Yeah, like, like an angel. Like angel, a complete angel to me. So actually, you were a period of my life. You, George, New York. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, but um, we, were at, we went to this thing. Uh, it was a benefit that Elizabeth Taylor was for AIDS Foundation. Yes. And yes. she was auctioning off her jewellery. Right. And there was this heart necklace. Okay. And mm. I, I started going for the bidding. And I think I got auction fever. Right. Oh God! And, did you? <laughs> yeah, and then George started bidding against me, and I was what? like, "What? What are you doing? I know it's a charity, but you're really pushing this up now." And um, anyway, so I got the necklace, and I had Elizabeth Taylor's heart necklace. Wow! It was amazing. But then my house got broken into, no. and my jewelry got stolen. And they don't realise that someone out there has got Elizabeth Taylor's necklace. What? Yeah, so if the burglar you're listening and you've got a heart <laughs> necklace, I don't think you realise it was uh, it, it belonged to Elizabeth Taylor. Lucky wow. you! Wow, God, that's terrible though. Yeah, that's a shame. She was. She, I loved her. She was hilarious. And I actually, when I met her, she, I was. It was at a party, and she, I was, and I was first. I was. The, I was like early. I was. I can't believe it. I'm never early. I think I was nervous. It was Carrie Fisher's birthday party, and oh, wow. I was so nervous. It was early, and so I was sort of sitting there, and the next person to arrive was Elizabeth Taylor, and she was sort of, you know, quite old and decrepit. She yeah. was helped in, she was on her sticks, yeah. and they sort of plonked her on a chair in the hallway. Carrie said, oh, you know, Alan and Elizabeth, and so we sort of chatted awkwardly for a moment, and then I sort of thought, I can't handle this. I'm just sitting in With these two with amazing women. Yeah, well, Carrie went off to sort of, you know, get canopies or something, and I was just, just me and Elizabeth Taylor, and we, we, we chatted for a bit, and I just thought, oh, my God. And so I went into the next room where the bar was to get a drink, and Carrie came through, and she said to me, she goes, what are you doing here? I was like, what? She goes, do you know how many homosexuals would like to be in your position right now? Get back <laughs> next door and flank that legend. That's what she said, flank the legend. Oh, my so God. I, so I went back in with my drink going, hi, Elizabeth. And then we, then we started chatting properly and had an absolute laugh. And she had this gigantic diamond ring that, that Richard Burton had Burton. given. The, the, yeah, the Krups diamond or something. I can't, it, was, it was like a small car on her finger. And I remember I was like, holy shit, look at your bling. And she went, do you want to see it? And she sort of gave it up to me to look. And I was sort of looking at it and she went, don't get your fingerprints on it. I went, I could get my whole hand on it, Elizabeth. Oh my goodness. It was hilarious. And she was just really, really enchanting. And she said to me, She'd had a fall. That's why she's on sticks. And she, I, I was asking her about it. And she said that what had happened was that she, she got up from her table and her uh, assistant or her maid had pulled the chair away, you know, thinking she was going to walk. And then she decided she'd forgotten something. She was going to sit down again. And it, but of course, the chair wasn't there. So she fell right down and hurt herself. And I said to her, I said, oh, gosh, was it awful? Was there much pain? And she went, Alan. You have never seen such a black ass. And I just said, mm, I bet I have, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> and she had a really great sort of truckers kind of cackle. Anyway, Jerry, I've taken up enough of your time. It's been so lovely it's to talk to, to you. And thank you for walking down memory way, spicy memory way with me. That's so nice. It's lovely. Good luck with your book. And when things are back to normal and I'm back in London, I'd love to see you in real life. Yeah, it'd be so nice. And big kiss to you. And gr- and Honey, how is Honey? Oh, Honey is no longer with us, alas. Honey's, uh, oh, yeah, Honey died a few years ago. In doggy ago. heaven. Yeah, she's, she's actually, where I am in this house here, it's where we scattered our ashes. So I feel oh, her Oh, that's everywhere. quite nice. But now I've got two more dogs called Lala and Jerry. Oh, Jerry! Yeah, one called Jerry. No, no, <laughs> it's, 
a it's a J E R I Y, but yeah, oh, okay. yeah. He's a he's a he's a spunky little polymath as well. So oh, okay, very nice. He's channeling you, but well, big kisses to you. You too, my darling. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate. Oh, it. it's an um, absolute pleasure. Bye. All right, love. Bye. Well, now the U-Haul truck has arrived to take all of my Spice Girls memorabilia and put it back on my shelves. I hope you've had a good time listening to me and Jerry reminisce. I certainly enjoyed it. And I hope you'll join me for another Stroll Down Memory Lane next time on Alan Cummings Shelves. Bye-bye. Alan Cummings Shelves is hosted by me, duh, Alan Cumming, and my predator... That's not anything weird or wrong or scary. It's just someone who is a mixture of a producer and an editor. You see, Predator. His name is Jack Claremont, and he's an absolute darling. And we are part of the Crowd Network. Now, another Crowd podcast to check out is... Death of a Film Star. These are the stories of Hollywood icons like Heath Ledger, Carrie Fisher, Robin Williams and more. They're beautifully written episodes all around 25 minutes long and they pay tribute to some of the greatest actors that have ever been. The episode about Chadwick Boseman is brilliant. So check it out. Just search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 